Hey, treating you guys. Awesome. There's at least one awesome out there. Praise God. We like those optimists. If you got your Bibles with you, I want to invite you to open up to Revelation chapter 13. <clears throat> We're going to continue uh, the look we began. We started on the first beast, the beast from the sea, uh, last week. And we'll see how far we get uh, this week as we work our way through. Uh, so let's open up. We'll uh, pick it up in verse 1, just read together. It says, And I saw a beast rising out of the sea, with ten horns and seven heads, with ten diadems on its horns and blasphemous names on its heads. And the beast that I saw was like a leopard. Its feet were like a bear's, and its mouth was like a lion's mouth. And to it the dragon gave his power, his throne, and great authority. One of its heads seemed to have a mortal wound, but its mortal wound was healed. And the whole earth marveled as they followed the beast. They worshipped the dragon, for he had given his authority to the beast. And they worshipped the beast, saying, Who is like the beast? Who can fight against it? And the beast was given a mouth, uttering haughty and blasphemous words. And it was allowed to exercise authority for 42 months. It opened its mouth to utter blasphemies against God, blaspheming his name and his dwelling, that is, those who dwell in heaven. Also it was allowed to make war on the saints and to conquer them. And authority was given it over every tribe and people and language and nation. And all who dwell on the earth will worship it. Everyone whose name has not been written before the foundation of the world in the book of life of the Lamb who was slain. If anyone has an ear, let him hear. If anyone is to be taken <clears throat> captive to captivity, he goes. If anyone is to be slain with the sword, with the sword he must be slain. Here is the call for the endurance and the faith of the saints. Then I saw another beast rising out of the earth. It had two horns like a lamb and it spoke like a dragon. It exercises all the authority of the first beast in its presence and makes the earth and its inhabitants worship the first beast whose mortal wound was healed. It performs great signs, even making fire come down from heaven to earth in front of people. And by the signs that it is allowed to work in the presence of the beast, it deceives those who dwell on the earth, telling them to make an image for the beast that was wounded by the sword and yet lived. And it was allowed to give breath to the image of the beast, so that the image of the beast might even speak, and might cause those who would not worship the image of the beast to be slain. Also it causes all small and great, rich and poor, both slave and free, to be marked on the right hand or the forehead, so that no one can buy or sell unless he has the mark. That is the name of the beast or the number of his name. This calls for wisdom. <clears throat> Let the one who has understanding calculate the number of the beast, for, the number, for it is the number of a man, and his number is 666. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord God, we lift this time to you. Lord, as we come to your word, we pray, God, that your Holy Spirit would uh, just open our understanding, God, that we, uh, Lord, would, uh, would just take this opportunity in your word to allow your word to bring us into a greater, a fuller knowledge of you, who you are, God, and, and what it is that you are working in our lives. And so we lift this time to you now, God, and we ask your blessing, and we pray, God, you give us eyes to see ears to hear, and a heart willing to understand. 
the things that the Spirit is speaking to the churches. We give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, last time we let off, we were talking about the influence of the beast. We're talking about the beast that comes up out of the sea. Remember last time we talked about that's significant for the, the Jewish mindset. Out of the sea spoke of the chaos of the world and was often a synonym for Gentile nations. Now, we can't make any hard, fast rules on that, but certainly the idea is Satan, remember we saw in chapter 12, cast out of heaven, stands on the shore and calls forth the first beast. That first beast. Now, a lot of people have a lot of opinions about that. We talked about it last time. If you didn't get a chance to check it out, I can't go into it tonight, so grab the tape or holler at me afterwards and we'll talk about it. But in conjunction with what Daniel said and the symbolism here, in Revelation chapter 13, I think the beast you're looking at is a kingdom. We discussed it. We looked back at Revelation chapter 17, if you remember, and the description of the uh, seven kings, five, who are not one that is and one that is yet to come, who will then himself become the seventh and lead to the eighth. And so we kind of broke all that stuff down last week, so I won't get into it again, but I think it's a kingdom. And the reason why I think it's a kingdom is because that's how God sees the kingdom's kingdoms of our world the kingdoms of our world are always in rebellion against him always in rebellion against god in fact when god describes him in the book of daniel he describes him as beasts you had four beasts described in daniel looking at four kingdoms each one of those kingdoms was known for their rebellion against god so we see this rebellion we see this anger and hatred toward god coming out of this beast out of this kingdom now we want to consider its influence. Okay, you have this beast, this kingdom, and that kingdom's going to have a, a ruler. There's going to be a guy who, who is calling the shots for that kingdom, if you will. But one of the things we saw, the influence of the beast, was this. First, he has adoration. Everybody's going to worship him. They're going to want to worship the beast. Now, <clears throat> again, I shared with you last time, I think it's, I think it's kingdom worship. I don't know that it's worship of a person until the Antichrist steps into the Holy of Holies. We read about that in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. But we, the, the concept of kingdom worship is not hard for us to wrap our minds around, is it? Think about this. They had kingdom worship in Rome. Now, there's always a king, right? And whoever the king is, that's the Caesar they worshipped. Yes? But, you know, when the next Caesar took over, they didn't tear down all those, all those temples and build a new one for the new Caesar. Right? What was once for Caesar worship for Augustus gets torn down, becomes Caesar worship for Octavian. Gets torn down, becomes Caesar worship for Caligulus. Gets torn down, becomes Caesar worship for whoever's next. The idea is that, that you have them worshiping that head, that, that leader of that nation. So we're going to see worship. We're going to see worship, but who do they worship in? If you remember in this section, who did they worship? They worship not only the beast, not only the kingdom, not only the leader. Who else? The dragon. Why they worship the dragon? Because they can recognize in whatever's going on that there's a power behind the authority, a power behind the kingdom, a power behind the king. And so they're actually going to be worshiping both the beast and the dragon. We saw arrogance. The arrogance he displays. He's got a mouth speaking pompous things. Daniel said the exact same thing. About the leader, about the leader of this kingdom, what's he going to do? Blaspheme God. 
He's going to blaspheme God. He's going to speak pompous things against God. Now, really, guys, come on. Let's, not, let's stretch our imaginations a little bit. Tell me what world leader doesn't do that. We think that the, the, the world leaders are all God worshipers. You know, we always pray for one, right? And prayerfully, we're in a better place now than, than we were before. But the idea, ultimately, as we look at it, as we see this, we see that this leader is going to speak pompous things. He's going to have a blasphemous tone toward the Lord, even more than what we see uh, regular day in and day out. He also has authority that he exercises that's been given to him by the dragon for how long? 42 months, right? Three and a half years, 1260 days. So we're dealing with midway point moving forward into the last three and a half years of the tribulation. Then we see the anger he has toward God, right? The beast hates God, hates him. We're going to see that expressed in a couple of different ways. And the one where we left off last time, he, he, he attacks the saints. He attacks the saints. Look at verse 7. Also, it was allowed to make war on the saints and to conquer them. And authority was given to it over every tribe and people, language, and nation. So, this is going to be a, a world empire. It's going to have authority overall. But the important thing that I want you to see, and one of the things I think... I think a lot of times we develop our theology after fictional books that guys write to, to uh, maybe describe events. A long time ago, I, I, I think I read the first, I don't know, seven books maybe of the, what's it called? Well, you guys knew what I was talking about. Of uh, the Left Behind, and I have them all, but at some point I thought, man, there's a lot of books to describe a seven-year period of time. It's taken, uh, I think it took a total of 12 different books. And you get wrapped up in the story of the book and all that, but you know that the Bible doesn't tell us that there's believers that are going to make it to the end. It doesn't say that. In fact, I would say in several places it says the opposite. One of those places right here in verse 7. He was allowed to make war on the saints, the believers, and to, what's that next word? Conquer them. He's, he is given authority. He is allowed for this to occur. So what does that look like? Well, just a couple of chapters earlier, we, had, we talked about the two witnesses. You guys remember? So we back up, we look at that. In Revelation 11, verse 7, it says, When they had finished their testimony, speaking of the two witnesses, when they had finished their testimony, the beast that rises from the bottomless pit will make war on them and conquer them. And what's the next phrase? Kill them. The same words, he's given authority, given the opportunity, he conquers them. What, it, what is being emphasized? They, they get killed. What happens? They lay dead in the street for how long? Three and a half days, right? And then they get up and <laughs> ascend into heaven. So <clears throat> ultimately God says, yeah, you don't have power over my servants. They're mine. But we see this idea in Revelation thirteen fifteen. Listen. It was allowed to give breath to the image of the beast. We're going to look at this in a few moments. So that the image of the beast might even speak, might cause those who would not worship the image of the beast to be slain. What happens, according to the Bible, to the people who don't worship the beast? He kills them. Power is given to them so that you're either going to worship or die. You're either going to worship or die. Oh, Jackie, I don't know. It's not such a great case. Maybe somebody sneaks away. They don't find them. 
Revelation 24. Then I saw thrones, and seated on them were those to whom the authority to judge was committed. And I saw the souls of those who had been beheaded for the testimony of Jesus, and for the word of, the God, and for the word of God, and those who had not worshipped the beast or its image, and had not received its mark on their foreheads or their hands. What did that just say? He said, I saw these guys, what happened? They came to life and reigned with Christ for a thousand years. What's it say in Revelation 24? It says everybody who didn't take the mark, who didn't worship the beast, died. He's given authority and he's going to conquer the saints. He's going he's to conquer those who are believing. Now we do know of those he conquers, the next chapter is going to tell us who's not included in that group. Can you think of who's not included in that group right now? 144,000. Starts with 144,000 in chapter 14. The 144,000 are seen with Christ in heaven. Still 144, not 139,000. We lost a few. Nope. Still 144,000 that arrived there. <coughs> so he's going to make war. He hates God. He's going to make war against the children of God. Now, Here's what we remember, and we have to realize, we have to kind of put all that stuff in context, but we know that we, we have the, the Satan, the great dragon, according to chapter 12, making war with the children, those who come to faith, as a result of, of those who were preaching the word of Jesus. Now, those at this time who are preaching the word of Jesus, 144,000, right? 144,000, 12,000, each of the 12 tribes of Israel, the Bible seems to indicate they're all male and that they're all virgins, unmarried men that are going around the world and they're sharing the gospel. They are supernaturally protected, but the rest aren't. The rest aren't. And at the three and a half year point, the Bible seems to indicate to me that the beast is going to make war with them and kill them. He's going to kill them. Now let's look at the affiliation of all those that worship him. Look at verse 8. And all who dwell on the earth. <clears throat> How many people is that? Oh, thank you. And all who dwell on the earth will worship it. So everybody's worshiping it. Everybody's worshiping the beast. Everyone whose name has not been written before the foundation of the world in the book of life of the Lamb who was slain. So, so by implication... Everyone whose name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life will not worship Him, right? And everyone whose name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life is going to come back to life and rule and reign with Christ at the end. So, I think, my opinion, you can disagree, it's okay. But I think what the Scripture is telling us is those people who have waited, you know, we often say things like, uh, well, Maybe after the, after the rapture of the church, uh, they're going to believe. Well, according to 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, that's not true. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 says, if they didn't have a love for the truth, if they were presented the truth and did not have a love for the truth, they will believe the lie. That's what the Word says. The argument is not with me. So... We have this move now, the beast making war against those who come to faith <clears throat> during the tribulation period. The, 
Now, a lot of times people will say, well, Jackie, Jackie, the Bible says that, 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 that Satan's not going to be able to conquer the church. You're right. Doesn't it say that? The gates of hell will not prevail against her? Yeah, that's why I said in chapter 4, you remember, what is it that, that the Lord spoke to the church? Come up here. Tribulation saints aren't the church. Old Testament saints aren't the church. There is a, there is a distinction, if you will. A distinction. Saved the same way by the blood of the Lamb? Sure. Absolutely. But not the same, not the same, uh, not the same time. Not the same period. Listen, we talk about those whose name. The other thing that's kind of exciting about verse 8, what did it say? When did they write the name? When did God write their name in the Lamb's Book of Life? <coughs> What's that mean? God knows, right? I try not to go further than what it says. God knows. Does he ever say this anywhere else? Any other time? Any other place? Luke 10, 20. Just what Jesus said to his disciples when they were all getting excited that they had power. Remember? Lord, we had power. We, we cast demons out. You remember what Jesus said? Nevertheless, do not rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. Right? <clears throat> Revelation 2, 17. He who has an ear, let him hear. How many of us have ears? So does that mean this message is for us? Let him who has an ear hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To the one who conquers, I will give some hidden manna. I will give him a white stone with a new name written on that stone that no one knows except the one who receives it. God talking about this concept, this idea of having your name written. Revelation 3, 5. The one who conquers will be clothed thus in white garments, and I will never blot his name out of the book of life. I will confess his name before my father and before his angels. Revelation 3.12. The one who conquers, I will make him a pillar in the temple of my God. Never shall he go out of it. I will write on him the name of my God, the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem which comes down from my God out of heaven and my own new name. Revelation 20.15. And if anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, He's thrown into the lake of fire. Revelation 21, 27. But nothing unclean will ever enter it, nor anyone who does what is detestable or false, but only those whose names are written in the Lamb's Book of Life. Quick perusal of some of the scriptures that kind of <clears throat> talk about the idea of the Lamb's Book of Life. Well, what we know is, we, if we're a believer in Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, our name's written in the Lamb's Book of Life, Right? And Jesus said, that's more important than whatever power you might be able to express in casting out demons or having control over the, the uh, um, spirits, spirits in the world. <clears throat> so, all right, so what's the instruction to us? Look at Revelation 13, 9 and 10. If anyone has an ear, let him hear. We talked about this phrase before. Now, who's God talking about? He's, he's showing vision, John's seeing vision, and then every once in a while he has this editorial comment, right? This editorial comment that belongs to anyone who has ears to hear. Okay, so let him who has ears hear. If anyone is to be taken captive, to captivity he goes. What's he saying? Look, he's talking about them, 
the, the, the true relation saints, those who come to faith in those days, he's saying, look, if you're going to go to captivity, to captivity you will go. If you're going to the sword, what's it say? <clears throat> if anyone is to be slain with the sword, with the sword he must be slain. Then what does he say? Here is the call for the endurance and faith of the saints. Sometimes our walk with Christ is all hinges on this question. What's it going to take to make you quit? What's it going to take? And I think what God is speaking through John, ultimately, to those who are going to go through this time period, but any of us who might go through trial and tribulation, God's saying, hey, you have need of endurance. You have need of endurance. We keep going. If, if God's plan for your life is you're going to be made a captive, then to captivity you go. And ultimately the question for us is, am I willing to bow my knee before God and say what Jesus said in Gatshmone? In Gethsemane, what did Jesus say? Your will be done. Look, our, our, is he our Lord or not? The concept of saying, you're my Lord, he's my Lord and Savior, is to say he's my king. He's my sovereign. He's the one that I report to. He's the one I obey. So if he says, hey, this is where I need you to go, then our proper response is, yes, Lord, to captivity I go. That ever happened to God's people in the past? We ever read in the Old Testament that God's people ever have to go into captivity? Yeah, and to captivity they went. And when they went into captivity, weren't there little children who probably hadn't done anything wrong? But ultimately God said, go, live. Be accepting of that which God has planned for us. Here is the call for endurance. The endurance of the saints. Man, we want to be endure. We want to understand that we have need of endurance. In Hebrews chapter 10, we've been looking at this on Sunday mornings. Listen to what it says. Therefore, do not throw away your confidence, which has great reward. Don't throw it away. Don't throw it all out because, you know what? My life took a turn that I didn't like. Do anybody not felt like making that statement before? Everybody's life went exactly the way they intended every step. That's not how mine went. But he says, don't throw away your confidence. Where's our confidence? Is the confidence in me? Is the confidence in my ability? Is the confidence in, in how much money I can make? How big a business I can build? What a nice house I can have? Is that where my confidence is? Where are we supposed to have our confidence? That's right. Our confidence is in Christ. Our confidence is in our Lord. Our confidence is in our King. Don't throw away your confidence, he says, which is great reward, for you have need of endurance. Is that an important thing to remember? You have need of endurance. So when you get that word you don't want to hear, when you enter into a period of time where you're afraid, you need to realize that what God is saying is you have need of endurance. You have need of endurance. Here is the endurance of the saints. Trust God, bow the knee, and on we go. Fulfill that 
all the way to that final moment, that final day, so that when you have done the will of God, you may receive what is promised. What's promised? Well, we talked about that last Sunday, right? All kinds of things are promised. Wow, God has given us incredible promises, and we want to hold on to those promises just like Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. You guys remember Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob? Did Abraham get a chance to see all the promises God gave him? Well, here's a specific one. Abraham, you're going to have more children than you can count. You're not going to see that one. Abraham, this promised land is for you and your children and your children's children. For as many generations, I'm giving this land to you. Does he get to see it? He gets to spend some time in it, living in a tent in it, but he doesn't see it. What about his son, Abraham Isaac? Does Isaac get it? No. What about Jacob? Does Jacob get it? No. The Bible tells in the book of Hebrews, they don't get it. These all died in faith. They finished their race. They lived their life in faith, looking forward to a promise that they were going to see achieved when they saw God face to face. Now, are we supposed to live our lives different than that? Because the next part of Hebrews says, that's how we're supposed to be. We're supposed to follow that example. We live by faith. Whether life took left or right. Right? Look, I don't believe any of us are going to be in Revelation 13. But that don't mean you're not going to be in a hard time. That don't mean one day the doctor's not going to give you bad news. That don't mean in the middle of the night you're going to get a phone call that rocks your world. That doesn't mean that those things won't happen. But keep in mind the the issue when we we go all the way back to the book of Job. What was the issue for Satan and Job? Satan said, yeah, if things don't go their way, they'll quit. Jackie paraphrase. Things don't go their way, they'll quit. What's Satan's issue? I'm going to make you quit. So how does God warn us? You have need of endurance. He never says life's going to be easy, does he? He never says it's going to be a piece of cake. But what he does say is you live your life by faith and what you receive is far greater than anything you'll suffer. It's a pretty good promise. So those who have faith will hold that promise and continue <coughs> all the way to the end. Now we have a, the dragon. I just want you to see the vision. You've got a dragon standing by the sea. Next to the dragon now there's a beast, right? Seven heads on the seventh head, ten horns. Right? Indicating that final kingdom. The tenfold division. Just like the ten toes in the statue we talked about. And now, the dragon's going to call forth another beast, right? Because the dragon always wants to be like God, doesn't he? So you have Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Now what are we going to see now? We see the dragon, beast one, and beast two. Like thing one and thing two. Beast one and beast two. Look at verse 11. Then I saw another beast rising out of the earth. Now last time they were rising out of the sea. It's a possibility that coming out of the sea means the Gentile nations. If that's so, rising out of the earth would mean this is coming from the nation of Israel. That's the distinction that, that sometimes can be made. It had two horns like a lamb and it spoke like a dragon. It exercised all the authority of the first beast in its presence. It makes the earth and its inhabitants worship the first beast whose mortal wound was healed. So I want you to see there's a distinct a, a relationship between the second beast and the first. 
What the Bible tells us is the second beast has authority when he's where? With the first beast. And where's his authority coming from? That first beast. Who got his authority from who? Satan. So he's, he's, he's giving authority, but that authority is only there. <coughs> now I want you to see, it says, Then I saw another beast. Another is the word, the Greek word, alos. Alos means another of the same kind. So this is not a huge uh, distinction. What's being pictured is the same thing. So again, I think the first beast is talking about a kingdom and the king that will rule that kingdom. The second beast, I believe, is a religious system and it's the person in charge of that religious system. A lot of times when you see, uh, especially when we use the example of Rome, which has come up several times in scripture, right? Revived Roman Empire, the idea of Rome being the last kingdom before the beast that couldn't be figured out. We see that those kings controlled the people through religion. How did Rome control people? Caesar worship. How did you become a good citizen of Rome? You worship Caesar. You got a stamp, a piece of paper saying you're a good citizen. That opened doors for you. That gave opportunity for you. Just more of those same kind of things coming up. Same kind of things. Now the other thing I want you to see, not only his association with the first beats, he's got to be with him to have power. But the second part that I want you to see, his appearance tells us that he is a great deceiver. He looks like a lamb, talks like a dragon. He, he, it's the whole thing is about how can I deceive? How can I twist? Think about all the false religious systems in the world. What do they all have in common? They, they, they're going to have a, a little bit of truth and mix in a lot of deceit, right? A little bit of truth, a lot of deceit. The, the, the whole thing that we want to see in his appearance, he has two horns like a lamb, but he talks like a dragon. And in Revelation 5, 6, when it describes Jesus Christ at the throne, you remember it says, Between the throne and the four living creatures and among the elders I saw the Lamb standing as though it had been slain. And it had seven horns, seven eyes. Right? Seven. Seven seven's a complete number, right? Total. The horn in Scripture, the picture of horn is power. How many horns does the beast have? The first beast. Eleven. Or, I'm sorry. Yeah. He's got, he's got uh, ten horns, right? So he's got ten horns. He's going to pull three out, but we won't get into that. And then this one has two. So where's the power at in this relationship? Power's in the first beast. And the, the second has a little bit of power. But you're going to see uh, a rebellion rise up even against the second beast uh, between one another as we go a little bit further in the book of Revelation. <clears throat> Maybe the horns speak of the link between... Uh, politics and religion, maybe not, you know, maybe it's just two horns. But we know he's got an attitude because he speaks like a dragon. He looks like a lamb, he speaks like a dragon. My, my kids had a little stuffed animal lamb when they was little. And you pick that lamb up and it would, supposed to make a sound like a lamb. Now, I was in California at the time, maybe I'm not as familiar with lambs as you guys are. But I gave that toy the name Lambzilla. Because it didn't sound like a lamb. When you push the button, it sounded like Godzilla's scream in the movies. And that's what's going on with this one. It's, what's the point? Looks like a lamb. Looks good. Maybe looks holy on the outside. But what is, it, what is it that the dragon speaks? He only uses one kind of language. What is it? Lies. 
to see. That's how he speaks. This is how he speaks. So the idea is that everything about him, everything that the text is saying is that he is a deceiver. He looks one way, sounds another. Revelation 12.9 says, The great dragon was thrown down, that ancient serpent who was called the devil and Satan, the deceiver of the whole world. He was thrown down to the earth, and his angels were thrown down with him. What was he? The great deceiver of all the earth. What did Jesus say he is? He's the father of lies, right? He's lied from the beginning, the father of lies. <clears throat> Second Corinthians 11.3, it says, I'm afraid that as the serpent deceived Eve <clears throat> by his cunning, your thoughts are led astray from a sincere and pure devotion to Christ. Same idea, father of lies, all about deceit. Where does his authority come from? Authority comes from the first beast. We talked about that. And what's his aim? What's his goal? To make everyone worship who? The beast. Worship the beast. If you're going to have a false religious system like Caesar worship, there had to be a guy who made sure that got set up everywhere, right? That's how Rome did it. In fact, when we were in Israel this last November when we went as a church, we went out to uh, uh, Banias, you guys remember? To where the, the Temple of Pan was where the Greeks said was the <clears throat> gate of hell. They called it the gate of hell. In fact, that's where Jesus said, uh, uh, upon this rock I'll build my church, and the gates of hell were just over from where Jesus was talking about, will not prevail against it, the mythological uh, spot for the gates of hell. So when they were there, right next to all those temples, was a temple for Caesar worship. They set those things up the same way they did it in the Roman Empire. In every city, they'll do it again. It was done once. What do we know if we don't learn from history? What do we learn from it? Yeah, we'll repeat it. Is there anything in history we've ever repeated? What do you guys think? Are we experiencing any repeating in our life currently? Those who don't learn from history are doomed to repeat it. So we'll see those same things. Now, look at these miraculous signs he's going to do. Verse 13. It performs great signs. Even making fire come down from heaven to earth in front of people. So let's say you have the leader of this false religious system standing out with a beast. Because he has power when he's in the presence of the first beast. And some guys are out there, maybe some believers, saying, No, you're, not the, you're, not, you're, you're, you're nothing. You don't have any... Any real power, and so this guy raises his hand to heaven, calls down fire, and the fire burns them all to a crisp. What's everybody going to do? They're not going to think that's God? But the Bible says that's exactly the kind of miracle, the kind of sign that this false uh, religious system is going to be able to provide. He's going to be able to call down fire from heaven. And a lot of times people say, oh, he's, he's going to do tricks. He's going to be propane that shoots out under the ground under the guys. I don't think so. You don't think, you don't think the devil's got power? You don't think he's got juice? I think he's got juice. All I know is when I read the book of Jude, Jude says, yeah, don't speak a bad word about the devil. Just say, the Lord rebuke you. 
Because where's the power? With the Lord, right? I don't have any. I don't have any unless, except for the Holy Spirit inside of me, which is Him, right? God's power, God's strength. It's not about me. So He's going to duplicate things like God did. Fire falling from heaven. And by the signs that it is allowed to work in the presence of the beast, it deceives those who dwell on the earth, telling them to make an image for the beast that was wounded by the sword and yet lived. And it was allowed to give breath to the image of the beast, so that the image of the beast might even speak, and might cause those who would not worship the image of the beast to be slain. So he's going to perform great signs. Let's talk about that. Fire falling from heaven. Several scriptures talk about this. Listen, Genesis 19.24. The Lord rained down on Sodom and Gomorrah sulfur and fire from the Lord out of heaven. Leviticus 10.2. Fire came down from before the Lord and consumed them and they died before the Lord. Numbers 11.1. And the people complained in the hearing of the Lord about their misfortunes. And when the Lord heard it, his anger was kindled and the fire of the Lord burned among them and consumed some outlying parts of the camp. 1 Kings 18.38, then the fire of the Lord fell and consumed the offering. Revelation 29, and they marched up over the broad plain of the earth and surrounded the camp of the saints and the beloved city, but fire came down from heaven and consumed them. But Jesus said, Matthew 24, false Christs and prophets will arise and perform great signs and wonders so as to lead astray, if possible, even the elect. So, were there going to be false signs? And Jesus is talking about this in Matthew 24. Isn't he talking about this time? When you see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet standing where it ought not, run. What was Jesus talking about? He's looking in the future. He's seeing the day when the leader of this great kingdom, that final beast, is going to stand in the Holy of Holies and declare himself to be God. And Jesus said, when you see that, run. And when he's talking about that, he says, there's going to be false signs. Don't believe a false sign. What's the anchor that we hold to? Is the anchor that we're supposed to hold to a sign? Is it a sign? Now, a lot of times we want to see signs, don't we? Right? Does anybody want to hear, see signs? Lord, which way you want me to go? Right or left? Give me a sign. Right? Don't we want it? I want it. I'm no different than you guys. But what's my rock-solid proof positive of what God is saying, what God is doing? The rock-solid proof positive is the Word of God. He gave it. It's right there, sitting before us. We can open it up and we can say, man, what does God's Word say? And if I think there's a sign or a wonder, and that sign or wonder says, follow a different God, what does the Bible say? It's false. Get away. But more and more these days we see people taking the word of God and saying, what's that? We don't need this no more. It is old. This is old and really doesn't have anything to say to us today. Let's put that away. So as we put that away, when those signs and wonders come, what are you going to check it against? Well, that guy's got power. Mike makes right, right? Isn't that how it's supposed to be? Does Mike make right? It wasn't that long ago. The Nazis were in control of Germany. They were the might. Did they do right? Oh, shocking how that is. What about in Rwanda? Did, did the might do right? Oh, you're kidding me. Yeah, 
I don't do right because man's broke, right? <coughs> man's desire is always going to lead man astray. We don't want to follow signs. And what's he going to do immediately after the sign? What's it say? He's going to deceive people. He's going to lead them into idolatry, right? He's going to say, look at these signs. You guys should be listening to what I have to say. <clears throat> By the signs he's allowed to work in the presence of the beast, he, it deceives those who dwell on the earth. That's the phrase, the earth dwellers. Those whose hope is all wrapped up in the earth. That's never the phrase used of believers. The phrase used of believers are saints. He's, gonna, he's going to, <clears throat> he's going to uh, be able to fool those others. And they're going to want to follow him. So those who are lacking discernment, when fire comes from heaven and licks up his enemies, are going to say, that's the dude. And they'll flock after him. Trust me. They'll flock. At, if it ain't Jesus, they'll flock after it. The world don't really have a problem. To be honest, the world don't even have a problem with Islam right now. Do they? And sometimes you scratch your head and you go, you pay attention to all the parts of that? No? I don't know. But why don't they have a problem with it? Because it ain't Jesus. If it ain't Jesus, oh, it's going to be okay. <coughs> he declares that the image, an image should be made of the beast. What do we call that? Yeah, he's going to make an idol. What's the idol going to look like? I don't know. Does the idol have to be of a man? No. Oftentimes you would go into temples and altars in the ancient world and it wasn't a man you were standing in front of. Sometimes it was a beast, a creeping thing. Sometimes it could be anything. It could be... Anything he wants it to be. And the idea of it being able to speak, is that hard for us to understand? Is it hard for us to understand? Now, in their time, was it hard to understand the reality of, a, of one of the idols being able to speak? Do you know that in some of the places that where they would go for massage, where they would go for therapy in Greece, they would drill holes through the rock so a man could stand up above and speak through this hole in the rock that would come down into where the guy was getting a massage, and he would tell him, you're wonderful. You're amazing. That was part of the therapy when they would go through the massage, when they would go through those, those baths that they would be a part of in those days. So, <coughs> But that was as good as they can get. Nowadays, we go to Disneyland, you go, Knott'sbury Farm used to be, well, you guys know what that is? Knott's, sorry. You'd be a, you could go see Abe Lincoln. So I remember that when I was a kid. to stand up there and Abe Lincoln get up and talk. So the idea of the, the beast being able to talk, he's going to be able to talk. He's going to be able to, to, to say things. He's going to make this beast so that it's able to speak. And he's going to demand that the beast is worshipped. And that's where the line's going to be cut. Six million Christians died when Rome demanded Caesar worship. That's a lot, right? Pales in comparison to the people being killed and all the war atrocities going on around the world right now. And it sure wouldn't take much if the wrong guy got in control of everything to utterly wipe out a group of people, would it? I don't think it would. I don't think it would. Remember, he said, I saw thorns and seated on them were those uh, whom had the authority to judge. 
And it was committed to them. Also I saw the souls of those beheaded for the testimony of Jesus, for the word of God, and those who had not worshipped the beast or its image, who had not received this mark on their foreheads, and they came to life. In order for them to come to life, they have to be dead, right? I think. So he's going to wipe them out because they won't worship. Now what's the control of this second beast? Look at verse 16. And it causes all small and great, rich and poor, free and slave, to be marked on the right hand or on the forehead. So there's going to be some kind of mark, right? Now, when I was a kid, this is where somebody would stand up and they'd show you one of them chips that you can put in your dog. Or they talk about putting in kids. And everybody starts freaking out that the chip is the mark of the beast. And the Bible's pretty clear. You take the mark of the beast, you pick the side. Right? But the Bible does not say the mark of the beast is a chip. The Bible says they're going to mark you. They're going to mark you. There was no question in Rome. How did you get this mark? The mark you got from Rome, by the way, was a piece of paper. And you would go and you would take a pinch of incense and you would declare, Kaiser, you'd say these words, Kaiser Kyrios. That means Caesar is Lord. By the way, that word Kyrios, Lord, is the same word used in the Septuagint, for the name of God. Yahweh, the Bible translates that in Greek, Kyrios. Caesar is Lord. If you did that, you got a mark, piece of paper with a stamp on it that said, good citizen. And somehow that's going to be associated with your right hand or your forehead. The scripture lays out for us. So it's going to require them to take this mark so that no one can buy or sell. No one can buy or sell <coughs> unless they have that mark. Unless he has that mark on their forehead. Uh, that is the name of the beast or the number of his name. So this is a call for wisdom. Let the one who has understanding calculate the number of the beast. It's the number of a man. Six, 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 right? The unholy trinity. That's what we just looked at. The dragon, the beast, and the second beast. The number of a man. Remember, man is incomplete unless man is attached to the vine. Jesus said, I am the vine and you are the branches. On the Jewish menorah, you had two, three branch arms that came off either side of the vine. Those two branches together, that's six. That's not complete. But you connect those branches to Jesus, who is the vine, and what do you have? Seven. Man is complete when he is abiding in Christ. Man who has rejected Christ is forever incomplete. In a Jewish mind, how would you say... Forever incomplete, you repeat it three times. Well, think about this. The, the, living, the living creatures around the throne, they say what to, to the Lord God? You remember? Holy what? Holy, ho- three times? What are they saying? Oh, he's infinitely holy. Right? Infinitely holy. Six, six, six. 
That means wholly incomplete. Utterly, you have utterly rejected God. That's what the mark means. You have utterly rejected Him. And the world, this is the deception in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 that Paul told the church of Thessalonica was coming. And that deception still is coming. As we look at chapter 13, I just want you to see the unholy trinity, the dragon thrown out of heaven. So what's he do? Shakes his fist at heaven, curses heaven, curses the God of heaven and those who dwell in heaven. And then he comes down to the sea and he calls forth, forth his first little helper, beast one. Some type of a kingdom, a, a, a political system. Then he calls forth beast two, a religious system. And those two fall in service to the dragon and they terrorize the world. For 42 months, 1260 days, <coughs> time, times, and a half time, three and a half years until Revelation 19, when the skies open up and Jesus comes home. And he says, That's it. No more. The kingdoms of this world have become the kingdoms of our Christ. It's all His. And He's coming. He's coming. He will come. And these things that we've looked at, it's exactly how it's all going to come together. I hope as you look at it and as you get intrigued, and maybe as you hear things I say and you go, I don't think so, it'll challenge you. That's all right. All you got to do is show me in the Word. Right? That's our authority. The Word, that should be the thing we cling to, yes? We run to, we hold fast, and we allow it to guide us, lead us, direct us, prepare us, equip us. Because we got a job to do. We're not in Revelation 13 yet. Right? We're still somewhere in the first three chapters. We're somewhere in the first three chapters. We got a job. What's that job? Kick the darkness until it bleeds the light. Keep working against the hosts of wickedness. How do we do it? Do we, do we grab a sword and start hacking at darkness? Well, Jesus said, here's all you need. Go and tell them the gospel. If they reject the words you bring, what did he tell his disciples? Shake the dust off your feet and do what? And keep going. There's a whole lot of people to talk to, ain't there? Man, I bet we haven't even talked to every single person in Buell yet. And if we get that done, there's every single person in Filer and Castle Ford. And we can go out to the big city, Twin Falls. There's always somebody we can share the gospel with. Make a difference. Now's the time of salvation. The reason I think that's so important is because of what I think the Bible is telling us. For those, especially here in this nation, that have such a, a rich history of the gospel, man, we need to make sure that, uh, that they hear, that you're able to share the truth with them. And pray that God would open up their eyes, right? Open up their ears, open up their heart. 
so that they would believe. Repent and believe. Then we rinse and repeat. Amen? Why don't you stand with me? Let's pray.